In the Saddle with Sheriff Richard K. Jones. How's everybody doing today? I'm Sheriff Richard K. Jones for Butler County, Ohio. I'm sitting here with Phil Chalmers, who's an author and a criminal profiler. He travels all over the United States. He's the best there is. I've been around this for a long time. Um, and he puts on seminars, he puts on trainings. He was here today for a training uh, seminar that we sponsored here at the Sheriff's Office. And it was at Miami University, uh, one of their large classrooms. We had 150 to 175 people from law enforcement, school systems, probation, parole, a uh, very large group. We're very fortunate to have him here. I've been in one of his seminars at the National Sheriff's, so he works, uh, he's done seminars and training for police departments all over the United States. Uh, he's talked uh, over 500 killers himself uh, in his classes. He actually gets the, the people that are charged and in prison for uh, mass killings, mass shootings, uh, real bizarre crimes, and they actually get them on the phone in class. And you can ask questions. And the way the world's turning with all these mass shootings, mass killings, we need all the training we can. And uh, it changes every day. Something different's happening. Uh, and these mass killings just keep on going and going and going. And they're not getting less. They're actually becoming uh, quite often. And when I was uh, taking classes at Xavier University, I remember one of my professors 25 years ago, 30, and he touches on that today in, in his classes, that they said we would see the most crazy, bizarre crimes committed by young people that we've ever seen in the history. And he said, and that was 25, 30 years ago, and I thought, what's he talking about? As I'm sitting in his class, and he was absolutely correct. And he said one of the reasons was is that kids spend more time in front of their computers playing these games, and they're all full of killing and stabbing and blowing up prostitution, sex, drugs, and you get rewarded uh, for all these things that you do. And they interviewed a, a commander in the military who said he wished he could program uh, their military personnel as long the hours that the average kids get behind these computers at home and that they wish their military could have that, because you're actually being programmed, that killing's okay, it's just a game. And a lot of these mass killings uh, with the younger people, that's what it is. And he said we would see nothing like what we are seeing now. And he was absolutely correct. And I'm, I'm going to see more of it. And I know that's the reason. The average child, I was told at that time, spent two to three hours a week of quality time with a parent and, and or someone that's watching these kids. And quality time is not coming home and hustling them to the table let them do their homework and putting them to bed. Quality time is taking them to a game, a sporting event, uh, a, a, you know, out somewhere where you talk and you communicate. They spend more time on those computers, in their rooms, on their phones, playing these crazy games, and they're actually getting programmed. Not blaming it on that, but it seems that every time we watch the news, there's a more, more crime, and it's a lot of mass shootings. Without further ado, you got the floor. Well, it's good to be here. Um, good to be in Butler County. I was raised in Ohio. Um, I was raised in Cleveland, grew up in Aurora, suburb of called Aurora. If some of you uh, down here may have been to Jog Lake and SeaWorld, that's my hometown. 
I was raised in a troubled home, dysfunction, poverty in Cleveland. I was raised in Cleveland for a while. And uh, I experienced a lot of the same things these kids experience, you know, these killers. And I, I know what it's like to live in dysfunction and, and disarray and, and poverty. So um, I was led to start working with troubled kids when I got out of high school. I went to college for a couple of years, Kent State University. And I decided that, you know, I need to go out on my own and just start doing these interviews. So when I was 20, I started interviewing killers. And um, I've been doing it for, geez, uh, 35 years. And I've interviewed everybody from Charles Manson, Son of Sam, BTK, uh, Hillside Strangler, all the way to almost every school shooter. And I've written several books, done a lot of TV, done some podcasts like you have here. And, uh, you know, my whole mission now is to get this information that I've learned out to as many people as possible. So what we did today was a training of me giving the information I've learned to your people. And hopefully they'll be able to spot a violent individual. They'll spot the warning signs, the causes, the triggers. And, uh, you know, my goal is when I pull out of here today that, that this county is safe for them before I came. So that's one what more, we're doing today. One more thing I want to ask you, for the viewers' sake. Tell them why you got all your bling on. What, what, what does that mean? Because I wondered the first time I... I yeah. Um, you know, this is just who I am. I wear Timberlands. I wear chains. Um, you know, I do TV. I, I, um, I, I speak to kids sometimes. It's just my persona. Um, I guess it's, I, I could show up and look like a police officer if I yeah. wanted to. Yeah. I could wear the same pants and, the, you know, a, a star on my shirt if I wanted to. Um, I'm not here to pretend I'm a cop. Um, I, I love law enforcement. I, my career is dedicated to them, but I'm, I'm my own person. And, um, I guess it's, I'm an individual and, um, I do a lot of TV and stuff, so it's kind of part of my uh, my thing. And hopefully today, even today, like today we're filming, uh, Investigation Discovery is talking about my show. So hopefully I get approved today, and I will have a six-episode TV show on Investigation Discovery. It's a, it's a huge $2 million budget, and um, you'll get to see me interviewing serial killers on TV. Now you're um, here, you're going to visit some uh, killers also while you're here in Ohio, correct? Yeah, I'm trying to stop at Lebanon Correctional and interview a truck driver serial killer. Delmas Colvin killed 50 people. Uh, he was killing a couple hours from here. And he's housed 20 minutes from here, so he's close by. Well, and I'm going to try to help you get there if I can today that would, that would before be you leave. That would be Are great. you flying out, driving out? Flying out of Columbus. Okay. So didn't mean to interrupt you? No, you're good. So, you know, um, my work is important, I think. I think people need to know these warning signs, causes, triggers. We could stop a lot of these shootings if we knew what we were looking for. A lot of the warning signs are missed. So that's why it's so important to do what we're doing today. And uh, I appreciate you bringing me in. I wouldn't be here without you guys, uh, you and the sheriff's office. So um, I'll be in Ohio next week. I'll be in Gahanna. I'll be in Boardman. I'll be in Massillon. And I'll be in Sandusky next week. So I do come to Ohio frequently and um, continue to do this work. But I'm all over the country. Um, I'll be in Vegas pretty soon. I'll be in Wisconsin. I, I just go nonstop. Travel. Okay. Like I say, I met you at uh, the National Sheriff's mm -hmm. in Kansas, and uh, the class was packed. Uh, and these are all law enforcement people. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they were done, they were all coming up to book you to come to their facilities mm -hmm. and teach classes. And uh, tell us um, some, you know, we got a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Talk about what people should know and what they should look for. Uh, they, they love stories mm -hmm. about serial killers and people that you've mm -hmm. talked to. And the amazing part is that they talk to you. When we're in the class, you're actually got them on the phone in class, and you did today. And the people that are in the class, which are law enforcement, schools, probation, the coroner was there, mm -hmm. uh, 
And when you actually get to ask questions, the students, uh, to these killers, we interrogate them. Mm -hmm. But to actually get them after they're in prison, uh, we were at the one and you were talking to the truck driver yeah. uh, that killed people. Mm -hmm. And you were talking to him as he was in prison. And I, I worked in the prison system 17 years. And I could hear the prison background in the back. They get phone calls. Yeah. And uh, we were asking questions. And uh, uh, he was very factual about what he done, how he done it, and why he done it. Well, let's talk about serial killers. Go ahead. There's at least 100, in my opinion. FBI says there's at least 50 active serial killers. I believe there's 100 or more. I believe a lot of serial killers today are truck drivers. They, they're long-haul truckers. It's a perfect occupation to kill people. You pick up somebody who won't be missed, like a prostitute. You uh, kill her in your truck, which is almost soundproof. You drive her five states away and dump her body. You drive five more states away and dump her clothing, and that's why it's very dangerous. So we're encouraging law enforcement to start stopping trucks. You know, when they do stop trucks, take a look around in the vehicle. Um, Colvin's been stopped with bodies in the truck already. But um, it's, a, it's a mobile crime scene. It's very dangerous, and there's a lot of guys like Colvin um, who are traveling the country. So it's important that we educate even law enforcement on how serial killers are operating today and why we have so many unsolved murders. We're, we have about 4,000 unsolved cases every year in the United States. It's a lot, a lot of murder cases. It is. So we're, hope, we're hoping to make an impact and do our part to try to solve some of these cases. But then what I do, Sheriff, is I become friendly with them after they're in prison. And I say, you know, let's cut a deal. What do you need? Sheriff says, I need a TV. I can do that for you. No problem. What I need from you then is I need you to solve a couple of cold cases. Let's bring some closure for the families. Let's find a body. Let's, let's tell them what happened to their loved one. And, that, and that's what I've been doing uh, all over the country. All over the country. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Now, when these mass shootings, what does law enforcement miss sometimes? You've told it in class. Right. Uh, they, they always shows they're interviewing people in the neighborhood. Seem like a nice guy. He always waved to us or very quiet, stayed yeah. to themselves. Uh, what should they be looking for in these things? Well, we can't cover it all today, but I have books out. I have a website. I have a notebook. Uh, my notes, my training notes are on my website. You all can read them. But there, there are thir 13 causes, about 20 warning signs, and about six triggers. And the biggest causes are dysfunctional homes, no father, um, uh, drugs and alcohol, fascination with violence, guns, death, uh, violent video games, um, cruelty to animals, fire starting, bedwetting. Those are some of the things we're looking for, causes and warning signs. Uh, kids will, a lot of these mass shooters will pose with their weapons on social media, then they'll do the shooting. So the kid in Uvalde was p taking pictures and posted them of his weapons. And that's a big, that's a big warning sign, and nobody, nobody caught that. Cruelty to animals is a big thing, we see a lot of that. Um, at the end of the day, though, I think it's important that we learn these and spread these to as many people as possible. Um, I think that that's makes a difference. Um, what makes one school shooting or what makes one mass murder more violent, more deadly than another? Some people think it's the weapon used. In my research, there is no correlation of weapon used, right? Uh, what it really comes down to is how much time you give a killer and how easily accessible the victims are. So a school, a daycare, a church, um, you got to give a killer some time. So don't put police officers and deputies in the, in the area. And you've got to have easy access to kill people. They cannot be locked safely in classrooms. So anytime we have kids that are wide open, doors are wide open, Sandy Hook, Parkland, Uvalde, Columbine, and you have, um, you have time. Kid had 15 minutes of Virginia Tech, hour and 20 minutes of Uvalde. You only need six minutes. And uh, that's what makes one shooting deadlier than another. 
Um, the deadliest school shooting in American history is Virginia Tech. 32 people killed, 50 shot. He used a small, two small handguns, 22 and a 9. Uh, you don't need a rifle to carry out a deadly shooting. You need time and access. And, and that's, we've got to get that perception out. That's really what because we need to do. Because the media always push the perception out because they're against guns. Uh, the AR-15, look guns, and do away with these rifles. They never talk about pistols. But no. you said the deadliest was two pistols. 80% of shootings of murders in the United States are carried out with handguns. 80%. 80%. Only 2% are AR-15s. So the politicians are after the gun used by 2% of killers, not 80%. Which are the handguns. Which are the handguns. They never talk about the handguns. Never. And they, and they also talk about mass shootings. 1% of murders are mass shootings. 80% happen in urban areas like downtown Cincinnati, Columbus, Cleveland. They don't want to talk about that stuff. So that's our real issue. Handguns, urban violence, and we have a major suicide problem in the United States. Yeah, when they do the statistics, you taught this in class, mm -hmm. that they always put the shootings up, that there's this many people uh, that are killed in, in shootings. But you stated that a majority of those, mm -hmm. you, you can tell the percent, are suicide. 36,000 gun deaths a year in the United States. 36,000. 36,000. They include suicide, accidents, justifieds. So 22,000 of it, 36,000, are people killing themselves with guns they bought legally. See, I never knew that until yeah. you bought that up. Yeah. Uh, and, and you need to repeat that one more time because people that are watching this have no idea. Do that again. A lot of politicians don't know. They don't have the answers. They don't understand this. And a lot of our news media is not being honest. But here's the deal. 36,000 gun deaths a year in the United States. That was prior to COVID, it's probably more after. Of those, of those numbers, 22,000, which would be most, are suicides. 500 accidents, 500 justifieds. If you whittle that down and get rid of suicides, justifieds, and accidents, we have 13,000 gun homicides in the United States. A country of 330 million people, not too bad. 80% of those are urban violence. Right. So you live in Westchester, you live in a rural county where there's farmland. Everybody owns guns in those areas, but they don't have gun violence there. It only happens in certain areas. It's urban violence and it's suicide. And until our politicians address both of those, which are going to take billions of dollars to solve. Yeah. And when you say urban, you mean big cities, big cities, Cincinnati, Chicago, bad schools, New York. no jobs, no hope for these kids. Yeah. They got to invest billions in our city, Chicago. Yeah. Chicago, Cleveland, New York, Cincinnati. And we got to invest billions of reopening all these places we've closed all across the United States where people could go if they were suicidal and get help. We used to have uh, mental institutions. I think you can still say mental institutions. And, and we used to do when I was growing up. Yeah. They're, all, they're all closed. Here in Ohio, we had Longview. Yeah. We had several. All over the United States. First thing they done close. 25 years ago, close them all down. Close. And people that leave my jail that have mental illness. There's nowhere they, to go. They get medicated here. And as soon as they're released, they, they were back on the street. Yep. They get no medication. And in medication areas yep. that they, they you can't just when you're poor and you're released and you're homeless, you can't just go sign up and see a psychiatrist. Yep. So they, they they need to make it easier, more uh, adaptable yes. and to where these people can get their medication, where they can get treatment. No mental hospitals. They close them all down. We take them to hospitals in Ohio and we do a 72 hour hold. Yep. That just where we take them to. It doesn't the really do anything. No, no. It just keeps them in the hospital. Nope. And no. hospitals don't want them. No. They take them, but they don't want them because a lot of times they're violent and they only have them for 72 hours. If they could do away with that, they would. But we have nowhere to go, right. nowhere to take them. And some of these people aren't all have psychiatric issues, though. 
You said some of them are just evil. Well, our, our, most of our mentally ill people are either in county jails or they're homeless with signs on the freeway exits, right? So those people need to be in a facility and not a place that looks like a prison. It should look like a country club. They should be getting treatment. People should want to go there, right? So until we do that, solve the urban violence problem, this is never going to stop. If we continue to you know, chase after red herrings like assault rifles and um, you know, blame mental illness and the things that raise the age limit of guns. Kids that kill don't buy guns, they steal them, they buy them stolen, right? Until we really talk about real solutions, Sheriff, this is never gonna stop. Yeah, so having age limits on it doesn't stop anything. Because they're gonna get the guns. The last school shooting, I believe, the father purchased the gun for the kid. Michigan, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. yeah Here, here's a news, news flash. Killers don't follow laws. Okay, good luck. Yeah, back in my jail, uh, if you asked any of them, uh, did they get their guns legally? No, they don't get them legally. And they like it that we make it harder for regular citizens right. to get guns to protect ourselves because th the less guns that they have to confront with citizens, uh, the more they like it. Speaking of that, let me just say one more thing. In my years of research interviewing 500 killers, I asked all the killers, in fact, if you come to kill me at my house, what do you not want to see? Three things overwhelming they've said. Dog, gun, cameras. And I want to say to the people watching this, I, I encourage you to have at least two. Dog, gun, cameras. Big dog, gun legally, you know, uh, storing it the right way. And cameras are the biggest deterrent. So those three things are how you keep your family safe. And this is coming from killers. Not a small from dog, but a dog. A big dog. Hey, dogs at cameras. bark. Cameras. Yeah, cameras and and even if you don't, if you don't believe in guns, you, you only have to have two. That's why I say, you, you then just get a big dog, get some cameras, and you're a heck of a lot safer instead if you didn't have that. So, and these are from yeah. killers that say what they don't want. They don't want to approach. BTK, buying, torture, kill. Dennis Rader told me personally, if you had a dog, you would not be a victim. You would survive. If I saw a dog prince when you're on, I would pass your house. Dog is huge. That's number one. Because he actually stalked and walked the neighborhoods. Yep. Are the killers, when they kill, do they kill in their neighborhoods? Do they go to other neighborhoods? What yeah, do they tell you? Here's the thing about killers. They're all different. So they're some, all different. Some killer, BTK killed his, his own neighborhood, but Delmas Colvin's killing people in different states. It depends on the crimes of the killer. Yeah, they're all different. They're all different. I would just say this to you, everybody. Um, my books are available on Amazon. Um, I don't need to sell books. I don't see any of that. But if you want more details, I have books on Amazon, eBay, uh, Kindle, um, Barnes & Noble. I have a free notebook on my website. You should study the causes, warning signs, triggers, and keep, you know, spread the word and keep your eye open in this county. The more people that know this in this county, the less people will die. It's really that simple. And, and we, it's good to be with the proactive sheriff. I don't usually do, just so you know, sheriff, I don't mean to be a jerk. And I don't do these kind of interviews anymore. I don't, people ask me all the time, will you be on my podcast? No. Well, I don't do that. No, but you do for me. You but because I like sheriff. you, because hey, I like you, hey, sheriff ain't I'm here. Guy. I don't do this anymore. Nobody else called me for podcast interviews. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's like a guy who was <laughs> doing my plumbing once, and we were, he was out of town, and uh, he had the name of his truck all over his truck, and somebody come in and said, uh, people in this neighborhood's going to go ahead and call you. He said, I don't want anybody else to call me. I got enough <laughs> word of mouth. I'm going to go out there and put tape over my phone number. Same with That's you. Funny, you yeah. get plenty. You're probably gone how many days a week? I'm gone a lot. You're gone a lot. Gone. Flying, traveling gone. all over. He's going to be here for a while, going to visit other places. What are some other things that people want to know? We talked about protection. We talked about the weapons. We talked about suicides versus shootings. Um, 
some of the things when you talk to killers, you actually talk to Charles Manson? Yes. In person or on the phone? On the phone. On the phone, more than once. He sent me Christmas card every year. Every year. With the swastika on it. <laughs> swastika on No kidding. No kidding. And was it, I'm just curious, was it handwritten oh, or yeah. drawn? Because he, he thought he was kind Charles of an Manson. artist. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I have quite the collection at home, Sheriff. I've got John Wayne Gacy's paintings. I got a piece of Bundy's kill kit. I've got, I've got the magazine that was found in Bonnie and Clyde's vehicle when they were killed. I mean, I got some wild stuff. Someday we're going to open up a museum of some kind and use it as a way to promote crime prevention. So that someday I will do that, um, hopefully soon. Gacy, you talk to him in person or on the phone? The only three people I never talked to that I'm bummed about is Gacy, Bundy, Dahmer. They were just a tad before my time as far as right. when I started doing this. Um, and unfortunately, because of the death penalty, I don't, I don't get to interview Gacy or Bundy, unfortunately. So um, it's kind of nice when they stay there and grow old because I can talk to them. Uh, a lot of them have unsolved cases. Almost everybody has unsolved cases. So when you talk to someone like Colvin, he's convicted of seven. He's killed 50. So it's nice that we can go and try to get those cases. There, there, are, there, are, there are families waiting for closure right now. So, that's so you get some of that, get some and of you've that. gotten some of that. Because when we were in class, some of the uh, police officers were asking, the law enforcement people yeah. were asking, were you ever in this area, especially the truck yeah. driver? Because yeah. they have unsolved mm -hmm. cases. And a lot of them are off the interstates, <clears throat> and it makes sense that it could be truck mm -hmm. drivers. Uh, most of the truck drivers are all great and wonderful, it could just be. like any profession. Could be, yeah. uh, could <clears throat> be truck drivers. <clears throat> yeah. And it's, uh, they can pick up people in the truck stops, not always prostitutes. But a lot could of could be anybody, hitchhiker, anybody. Anybody, they pick them up, put them in a truck. Could be children, and they they take off with them, and people don't miss them, and they're gone, and they're gone, and they don't always find their bodies. Yeah. Uh, if they're if they're unfortunately if they're good at what they do, they can dispose. Of, well, I just say one last thing I want to say is, January I'm launching a brand new podcast called the Serial Killer Tapes. I have a meeting with Dennis Quaid's company Friday, so we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it'll it'll work. Um, hopefully I have a TV show episode six episode series. Hopefully it's on ID. And, um, you know, I appreciate you having me on. And if I could do anything for you, let me know. If the people want to contact me that are watching this, they go to philchalmers.com and they can send me an email. Hey, it's been great and wonderful to have you here today. And if there's anything you need to know, everything's going to, we're going to have it up online where you can, you can ask questions. He travels all over, teaches his seminars. He's been great for us, for law enforcement. Like I said, it was a packed house today. We didn't have anywhere here big enough to do it. We probably have 15 or 20 uh, different agencies there. And these are things that we need to know. And we had two killers, I believe, today that were on the line and uh, people in the class could ask questions directly to these people. A lot of small uh, law enforcement agencies don't get any of this. They, they, and it, these killers just don't pick, you know, where the, you know, where the large police departments are, where the smaller ones are. The mass shooting in, um, uh, in a theater, the guy was- Aurora, Colorado. Yeah, they, they have a huge police department. Uh, they, I think they had 3,000 uh, police officers, mm -hmm. and they had 1,500 on duty that night, and they still didn't have enough because yep. they, they always think there's two killers when there's one, yep. and we've done the same thing. Yep. When we had the mass shooting in the school, we get the rumors there's more than one shooter, and we're the police. Uh, there's three shooters. Then the other schools are closing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so much information, and if it wasn't for somebody like Phil here to put it all in perspective so we know and it actually helps us. Uh, uh, is there any last thing you want to tell the public about how they can protect yourself other than what you oh, said? I just I want to thank you all for having me out here. And um, I think the public, you just have to live in the thing I call condition yellow. 
and that's always being aware of your surroundings, no matter where you are. Um, when you go to, when I go to movie theater, I sit in the very back row. I never let anybody sit behind me at the theater. Uh, when I eat at a restaurant, I face the door, put my back to the wall. I uh, walk outside of a grocery store, I don't look at my phone, I, I survey the parking lot, look at the cars parked next to me. We all need to do this to be more conditioned yellow. We'll see things that we missed, we might miss. And if we do that, we can all be a little bit safer here in the county. So thanks again, man. Hey, thanks good, for everybody. Good to meet you, man. Appreciate you being Thanks here so with us today. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you.